Hey lady, I am so freaking jazzed that you're here. My name is Emily and I am a clinical social worker deeply passionate about what's going on in between our ears. I am here to help build up your toolbox against self-doubt, social comparison, and nasty self-talk to help keep you kind to your mind. You know, we all have something going on in that noggin of ours that isn't always kind. So let's put in the legwork and flex those mindset muscles so that we can move the mountains we were meant to freaking move. Let's go. What is up, my honey freaking head? I'm so happy that you're here because today is part two of our anxiety series. Anxiety 201. I think, honestly, dude, we did a really good job last week of laying a really good framework, right? We got down to the basics. We walked away with some basic knowledge. But today, I want you to walk away from today's episode knowing, one, the source of your anxiety, and two, a potential solution. Okay, that's my hope for you today. And right out the gate, I'm going to let you know that we are going to have to sprinkle a little bit of science on here today, okay? I normally am the girl next door kind of approach to mental well-being and mental wellness in in general, right? But today, we're going to have to sprinkle in a little bit of science to get us where we need to go, okay? So bear with me. I firmly believe that we have, scientifically speaking, we have two different sources in our brain, for anxiety, okay? Due to two different pieces of our brain that really hold that anxiety and and cause it for us. So thanks to those, we're gonna learn about them today, okay? So first of all, we have our amygdala. This is the region of our brain that is primarily associated with emotional processes, okay? Emotional processes. And then on the other side, we have our cerebral cortex, Okay, those are the only sciencey words you need to know for the sake of giving it a name. Okay, so our cerebral cortex is really this like furrowed outer layer of gray matter in our cerebrum of the brain that is associated with higher brain functions, um, things like voluntary movement, right? Coordination of sensory information, but also learning and memory and the expression of individuality, right? So the cerebral cortex really kind of holds a lot in there, so I'm going to read it to you again, okay? Things that we really consider to be higher brain functions, so things like voluntary movement, coordination of sensory information, so our senses, right? Learning and memory, and the expression of our individuality, our individual self. That's our cortex, Right? I'm not going to say cerebral cortex 50 million times to you. Know that when I say cortex, that's what that means. Okay, Our amygdala and our cortex. Those are going to be our anxiety pals today. So let's start with our amygdala. Okay, The amygdala is kind of like our protector. right? And it's trying to protect us from any potential danger. Most of the time, as us anxious folks know, your amygdala's assumption that you are in danger is not always correct. It's not always correct. And here's why, okay? Thousands of years ago, let's go back to freaking caveman times, okay? Our amygdala 
was programmed to fear certain things in order to survive, right? That was its its job. It had to adapt to certain things in order for our species to survive. Now, if we fast forward to 2022, there are some things that we don't need to fear anymore. We have a very different experience than the cavemen, don't we? So we also have very different fears, but we're still programmed in those ways. Now, listen, that programmed fear can be changed. You learned it at some point because you needed it, right? So that means we can unlearn it. Okay, I'm going to walk you through an example really quick because I want us to have, have some backing of what this means, but also what this kind of might look like. So I'm going to take us through kind of an extreme example. Okay, let's say that you've experienced a major car accident, right? Big time. It was not good. Afterwards, let's say that you kind of start to fear sitting in the same seat of the car that you did in that experience, We know that this can happen because this is the way that your brain has associated that memory. Okay, this is the way that your body remembered that experience. In that seat of the car, that happened to you. And so now you have a fear of that physical feeling of sitting in that seat of the car. Now, your amygdala is also responsible for activating your fight, flight, or freeze response. That thing that really sets you off, that brings those physical sensations that we talked about in our first episode of this series. Okay, so when we did Anxiety 101, we talked about these physical sensations that that you might experience in a moment of anxiety. So when this happens, your amygdala is activated, right? It's doing its thing. Your sympathetic nervous system enters the chat right? And, and cortisol and adrenaline start pumping through your bloodstream and your heart rate decides to start dancing on the roof. Your muscles start to tense up. All those physical things start to happen. So when you think of the amygdala, I want you to really understand that the amygdala's language is based on association, really. I'm going to use another extreme example for you. So hopefully we can kind of bring this home. Okay, let's say that you as a child walk into a room and you see a dog. Now you're a child and you're small, right? And this dog is big. I'm talking like Great Dane size. Okay, so the dog itself is not threatening in any way, but it frightens you, right? Based on your size, based on your stage of life, you're a child, things are scary, and it frightens you. And that, that moment has a really big impact on you. And now every time you see any dog, you have a similar response. You get scared. Every dog now, no matter how sweet and cute they are, that kicks on your fight, flight, or freeze response. And these emotional triggers develop around those associations. So when you encounter that trigger, it immediately brings about the emotion. There's no in-between there, right? There's no in-between. There's no processing. You have a trigger and then you have an emotion because of that association that you experience. So naturally, you start to avoid the trigger at all costs so that you can in turn avoid the uncomfortable emotion, right? So the biggest things I want you to remember about the anxiety source from the amygdala 
is that this is our association to something else and most often our physical association to something that we've experienced or seen. Okay, so that's our amygdala source. But we also have this cortex piece, right? So the cortex is actually super different, super, super different. And it can actually initiate anxiety in two different ways. Okay, so how the cortex processes sensory information, like we talked about before, as it processes sensory information, it can interpret a perfectly safe sensation as threatening, right? Maybe you are in a fight with your significant other and you guys have had a really rough couple of days and you see them pop up on your phone that they're calling you and immediately your thought is they're going to break up with me. The cortex sees that call as a threat, even though the call could be harmless, the call could even be good. So your cortex starts doing the most, right? Your cortex starts doing the most because it has this this sensation of holding that fight in your body, being triggered by a sensation of, oh, hey, there's a phone call, mm, and I'm going to immediately jump to the thought that the worst thing is going to happen. The worst thing. So we also have this second way that the, cor- the cortex can unfortunately do this to us, okay? And the second way is through overthinking. You know, I talk about all the time that anxiety thought spiral or that anxiety like stream of consciousness. Everything is just happening all at once. You're spiraling, right? That overthinking sensation. That's your cortex talking. Your cortex creates all sorts of awful worst case scenarios, which then triggers your damn amygdala and causes the anxiety, right? So This cortex piece, really understand that when the cortex is active, it's knocking on the amygdala's door and is like, hey, you want to hang out? Right? That's what that is. And we make this distinction between these two sources because it really influences what we can do about it. What we can do about it. So our amygdala, the more primal state of anxiety, the physical sensations, and the cortex is based more on overthinking all the unhelpful future scenarios met with memories of the past, those two things working together. I want you to imagine that the amygdala is more physical and the cortex most often is more cognitive, okay, more more related to our thoughts. So since we know that amygdala-induced anxiety is based on the primal state of certain programmed fears, and emotional associations, we can target it head on by creating a state of calmness within our body. We can get physical. We can tackle the amygdala source of anxiety with physical calmness, okay? I have a couple of ideas for you, and we are going to chat on Instagram about a ton more, but I want to bring you a couple right now. Okay, so if we want to bring a state of calmness to our body, here's my top three. Regular exercise. Yeah, I know it's a pain in the ass. I know, dude. But if you know that you're an anxious person, you need to find an outlet for that energy to go so that we can get to that state of calm that your body is looking for. When we're so activated in our amygdala, we need something else to outweigh that energy. So number one, regular exercise. 
Number two, we're looking for a state of calmness in our body. We need adequate sleep. None of that bullshit sleep of, oh no, I'll just sleep for five hours and I'll be fine. No, ma'am. That's not an option when you're anxious. Your body is asking you for a state of calm and you need to give it to it. So that's my second one, adequate sleep. Number three, in the moment, deep breathing. I don't care how silly you feel. I don't care how silly you feel. Your body is begging you for calm. So what do you need to do? Slow down your freaking breath, dude. Slow it down. Deep breathing in that moment. We talked a bunch about those physical sensations and what's happening. We know that our heart rate is through the roof. We know that we're sweating. We know that we have the potential to shake and feel this choking sensation. What does that tell us our body needs? To slow down and find a state of calm. So that's our amygdala solution. Finding a state of calm in our body physically. For our cortex-based anxiety, we need to tackle it a little bit more cognitively, right? So three over here too, okay? Number one, challenge your thoughts. Challenge the thoughts that you're having. Number two, use some more coping-related thoughts. And we'll, we'll explain that here in a little bit. Number three, replace your worry with planning, okay? Planning. It's going to save us, I promise. So since we know that we need to tackle this source of anxiety more cognitively, we really need to start asking ourselves, what are the chances that this will actually occur? What are the odds that this will actually happen? And also asking ourselves, if the worst case scenario does happen, what will you do to remedy the situation? Right, so let's say that your anxiety thoughts are true. Let's say that the crock of crap that your brain is feeding you is actually going to happen right this very second. How are you going to remedy that situation? So that even if the worst does happen, we have a solution, right? And, and if we plan for the worst, our mind has to be at ease a little bit, okay? So when I say that we need to replace some of our negative thoughts with more positive ones, if you have listened to my episode on thought challenging, you know that I don't expect you to just spew positive thoughts out your butt crack, okay? I just don't. I don't. I don't think that's a realistic ask of you. But what I do ask of you is that you take the negative thoughts that you're experiencing, the negative anxious thoughts that you're experiencing, and turn them into neutral ones, Stick to the facts and the facts alone. No assumptions, no jumping to conclusions, no guessing what is going to happen. Stick to the facts. That's the only truth that you have right now. So transition some of those negative thoughts into more neutral ones. And here's my last piece for you. Our worry stops us from acting. It stops us in our tracks. I know that I am not the only human being that has felt this before, this feeling of anxiety paralysis where we are so anxious and we have so many thoughts happening that we can't do anything, right? Our anxiety stops us from acting. So asking yourself, how can you take one, one, no more than one, next step forward? That provides us with a plan. You know what makes anxiety shut the hell up? A plan and action. 
So I hope, my friend, I hope that by this point in today's episode, you're able to look at these two sources of anxiety, our amygdala source and our cortex source, and be able to say to yourself, okay, in the past couple of times, I felt really freaking anxious. This is where it potentially came from. So the next time I'm encountered with this situation or this particular trigger or this particular experience or a similar feeling, I can look at that and say, okay, you know what? Maybe it's coming from here. So do I need to address it more physically or do I need to address it more cognitively? There may be a combination of both. You know, that cortex likes to roll up and be like, hey, amygdala, you want to hang out? Maybe they're hanging out together. Okay. So really asking yourself, do I need to tackle this in a physical sense or a cognitive sense? But before I go today, I also want to chat with you about some of the habits that we can avoid that we know make our anxiety a hell of a lot worse. Okay, so I have a little list here for you. We're going to go through them and a lot of them are going to be obvious, but I want you to check yourself. So first and foremost, let's start right out the gate with this one. Number one, skipping meals. How many times have you been hangry and it has influenced your anxiety? I'll wait. Me too. Okay, number two, too much caffeine. How many times have you mistaken anxiety for being amped up on Starbucks, for being amped up on cold brew, right? That likes to confuse us. Caffeine really likes to confuse us and make us think we're a hell of a lot more anxious than we are, okay? So can, number three, too much sugar. Caffeine and sugar go hand in hand. Number four, poor eating habits in general. If you are eating like trash, if you are on carb nation for ages, right, we are, are not going to feel the greatest regardless, and that's going to amp up our anxiety. Number five, not getting enough fluids. If you're super dehydrated, I don't know about you, but I get really shaky. I get really shaky, and you know when else I get shaky? when I'm super freaking anxious. So all of these things, you'll notice a trend with this list that I have for you. All of these things are going to display some of the symptoms, some of the experiences that we would also associate with our anxiety. Okay, confusing, confusing. So let's eliminate the confusion. Number six for you here, lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. We know point blank period that lack of sleep is going to screw with any mental health symptom that you have. It doesn't even matter if you have a mental health diagnosis. If you do not get enough sleep, your brain does not function, right? Your brain is not able to function at its full capacity, meaning it's not able to ward off the anxiousness, okay? It's not able to do what it needs to do to fight that off, right? Number seven, not enough movement our exercise. If we're not moving our body enough, if we are not being active enough, anxiety can strike. We talked about that earlier. Number eight, I think is really important to talk about right now, especially watching the news. Watching the news. If you are in a habit of watching the news all the time or honestly, even daily, do I want you to be informed? Yes. Do I want you to add the anxiety of the world to the anxiety of that you experience on the day-to-day? No, absolutely not. So really check yourself when it comes to that. Can we limit some of that on the days when we're feeling super anxious? Can we pull some of that back? Number nine, ignoring your anxiety altogether. 
If this is a habit that you have, if you are an emotion stuffer, first of all, I have an episode coming for you. Okay, if you are the kind of person that likes to put their emotions under the rug and leave them there with the pot closed with that lid on tight, your anxiety is going to burst at some time. So if you're in the habit of ignoring your anxiety altogether, odds are we're just going to build on top of it. It's just going to get bigger. And number 10, comparing yourself to others. If you have the habit of sitting over there saying, man, no one else thinks as awfully as I do. No one else finds them in these anxiety spirals. That girl over there, she's got it. She's got it. She's chilling. She's good. But I'm over here the anxious mess. That habit is not going to serve you in warding off the anxiety monster. It's just not. So... If you find yourself feeling super anxious, I want you to take a look and see if you've been engaging in any of these habits that might be amplifying it, right? That's not to say it's causing it. That's not to say that's the only reason, but I want you to take a look and see if maybe we can cut back on some of these habits to eliminate it being amplified too, too much, okay? I threw a lot at you in the last 20 minutes. I really, really did. And I hope that if it was a little too much to sift through, that you give this another listen. Maybe sit down with a notebook and really go through some examples of your anxious experience and try and sift through, hey, where did this come from? But also what's a possible solution? Are there any habits contributing to it that I can pull back on? Really get intentional. And once you do... You know damn well that I want to hear about it. I want to know how you're applying this. One of the beautiful things about what we're doing together is that I, I pop in your ear holes on a Monday, sometimes on a Wednesday, and I give you this information and we sit down and chat together. But the biggest piece of what makes The Kind Mind a project is that we are continuing to work. We're continuing to apply. We're putting it into action. And I want to see that action. And speaking of action, we still have some time to go enter our 100th episode giveaway. I talked about this a few days ago on my 100th episode that we're doing a giveaway to be able to celebrate you and I sitting down to chat for the past 100 weeks. And in honor of that, I want you to help me create a physical Kind Mind product that I can have show up at your doorstep. But the important thing is that I want you to be a part of the creative process. So three of my Kind Mind weirdos are going to be a part of that process and be along for the ride. So if you are interested in having that experience, I want you to be there. So head on over to my Instagram page, enter our giveaway. That will end this Friday. And and I'm so excited to, to start that with you and to, and to show you what me and these three winners come up with because I, I've jotted down some ideas, I've got some things flowing, and, and I can't wait to collaboratively create this with you. So my anxious weirdo of a friend, I love you. I love, love, love you. And we will be back very soon for Anxiety 301. We're taking it even another step further. We're digging in deep on anxiety because that's what it deserves and that's what you deserve. 
Okay, I will see you very freaking soon. If you have questions about today's episode, I want you to ask them. I want you to ask them. I don't normally get super sciencey on you. I want you to have the answers that you're looking for in whatever capacity that is. So if you do have questions about today's episode, slide into my DMs and let me know. Okay, until next time, my weirdo, I love you so, so much and stay kind to your mind. Dude, thank you so much for including the kind mind and this freaking weirdo in your growth journey. If you connected with today's episode, I would love to hear about it. So slide on over into my Instagram DMs at Emily and the kind mind and let a girl know. Okay. But until then, I will talk to you very soon. I love you so much and you stay kind to that freaking mind.